Hawks Live. Every Thursday night at 7, live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka. Come on, guys. Let me take over. And Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, welcome to Hawks Live. Dave Wyman and Paul Moyer. Yeah. Paul Moore playing through an injury right now. I am. You're injured. You're playing I with an injury. Very, very injured. I appreciate that. A little, little sickness going on. NASA is ready to jump in and take <laughs> over the injured Paul Moyer. <laughs> You're listening to Hawks Live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar. And tonight, what we got planned for you, first of all, our in, uh, in home guest, in person <laughs> guest, you want to call it, Nico Thorpe, defensive back for the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, Nico. Of course, we'll talk to John Clayton, the professor, our own Danny O'Neill, and then get a little bit of a preview of the Arizona Cardinals from, from Darren Urban. But, and I want to thank our Heritage Distilling, our, bat, our, uh, our sponsors, Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts. Of course, the Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar, great food here tonight. What would they have? What would we have for, for dinner? Some chicken. Last week it was pork. This, I'm ready. It's delicious. I'm ready to eat. So make sure you come. We're here every Thursday night at 7 o'clock during the football season. Paul, let's recap last week. 24-13, much needed win over oh. the Cowboys. Go on the road. Two tough opponents in Denver and Chicago. Come back and get healthy against the, the Dallas Cowboys. And Dallas trying to find their way a little bit. But I thought it was more about the Seahawks running the ball, imposing their will offensively, and then playing good defense with uh, kind of a ragtag group still without K.J. Wright, and you, you had some injuries earlier. It, they look really good and surprisingly good, I would say, on defense. Yeah, I think we're settling in defensively. You know, um, you know, Michael Kendricks has definitely been a huge, a fantastic football player. And, uh, you know, without K.J. there, he's been, to me, the savior um, Bradley McDougal, uh, Dave, I was watching your 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 video on uh, on 710 ESPN, and I agree. I think he's playing the best football of anybody on the Seahawks, but on the defensive side for sure, and maybe right. on, on the whole team. And you know, and he's different than than, than Cam Chancellor, and and our defense is different. We, we, you know, we are running a, um, a at times three safeties, uh, in when particularly matching up when they bring three wide receivers in, and we get a lot of uh, Earl Thomas covering the the slots we've got uh bradley mcdougall as well and bradley and earl are making plays all over the field and this is something that i have not seen from them over the last six or seven years it's a bit of a different tweak to their defense and we've got to keep continuing to make plays we've got to give the offense some opportunities um 39 runs last week that's that there's two things to that. One is they were committed to not just running it on first down. I'll throw you some stats here in a minute because the first down runs haven't really changed. We're about 65, 66% of the time we're running it on first down. It was second down, that commitment. Mm. And that commitment was huge last week on what we did. Matter of fact, on second down, we ran the ball 15 times out of 20. Uh, and I, I always take away the two minutes because that, right. that skews things. And so that commitment there and obviously getting the lead along the way. So, this is what the Seahawks go back to Pete's first year. That's what they want to do. They want to win with defense. They want to run the football. They want to not have to throw it more than 30 times a game. And that was exactly the recipe we got last week. Well, let's talk a little bit about the offense now because Joey Hunt had to fill in mm-hmm. at center. And, you know, I have to say, we talked to Joey Hunt on our show on Danny David Moore and 
having talked to him, I've, I'm even more confident at, at what a good player he is. But every year you, you look at him and he is 300 pounds. But he does kind no, of look like not. he looks like the shrimp. He looks like two hundred and forty pounds. I know, but compared to DJ Fluker, yeah. I mean, he is just. And so we talked. He's just such a smart player, and having him out there and watching him, he was passing off stunts. He was making yeah. all the calls. He was doing a really good job. And then they had Jr. Sweezy, and we talked to him also this week on our show. And it's the first time ever he started at left guard. And here's a guy that def- he was a defensive tackle in college, and yeah. so. You know, they really like what they got from him and then DJ Fluker as well. And all of a sudden you start, you look at the offensive line, and I know they're one and two, but Jermaine Effetti's playing well. They got Mm -hmm. Dwayne Brown. And then go, okay, if they go with Sweezy and Fluker, you're going to get Justin Britt back this week. You got Joey for depth, and he can play all three positions. And then you've got George Fant, who's played both right and left. Jermaine Effetti's playing well, as I said. And then, you know, you've got Ethan Posick to possibly be the backup who can play center and guard. So they have some good depth and some good things going on at offensive line. It's really interesting what they've done. And, and you're right, Dave. We, we've got a lot of depth now. Um, you know, Hunt can play any position. Played center last week. I look at Hunt and, and Sweezy. They're, they're the, my bull in a china shop. You know, they're, they're, they're just they knock anything that's around them down or try to at the very least. And with Sweezy and Fluker, to me, Fluker changed our whole offense last week. And it was just the mindset. It was the nastiness of him. Remember, we'll talk about it uh, in, a, in a bit uh, here when we, sh- we talk about some plays that happen. And what he does with stunts and, and creating hole, he's so strong. And so there was a play that, that one of our touchdowns, uh, uh, Chris Carson, the way he accentuated the hole by pushing the tackle that tried to cross-face him inside, most people would say, oh, that's not a big deal. It was a huge deal because he let the tackle go where he, where he wanted to, and then he just shoved him hard to his left, which created this hole for Chris Carson to run for a touchdown. And there's just a nastiness to Fluker and Sweezy and Hunt, those three guys together. It was fun to watch. Now, look, Britt is the same way. He's nasty as well. Posick, I love. He's my um, technician. You know, he's got great form, but he's more of a finesse player. Um, Fantastic pass protector along the way. And he's going to be a really good football player. But I think right now we need this nastiness of Fetty, Fluker, Britt, Hunt, Sweezy, Brown, and that's what got it done this last week. Yeah, and Pete said as much that, you know, they, they were so happy with what Fluker and Sweezy did that it looks like that's what they're going to go with. And then Chris Carson running behind that. And, you know, I thought, I don't know what your opinion was of the Dallas Cowboy linebackers, but I think Sean Lee and their first-rounder, Leighton Vanderesh. Oh, they're good. Really good. Yeah. And so I think, you know, going forward, and we'll talk later on about Arizona and what they got going on, on line, at linebacker because it's kind of weird. You know, they've got a couple of first-rounders that aren't playing at linebacker and a couple of guys that are journeymen playing linebacker. So, you know, I think that Chris Carson is on the verge of sort of breaking it to that third level. So he's had, you know, and I would say the one play that I'm looking at, the one where he hurtled over the guy in Denver, ended up getting, I think, 24 yards on that play. He's, he's really close to busting a couple, but 32 carries, which is... That's a lot. That is a lot. And we talked to him after the game on, on the post-game show on television, and he was like, I was like, are you sore? 
You know, he's like, no, I'm good to go. He's fine. I mean, I don't think he's going to be getting 30 carries because the last time that happened in the Seahawks history it was 2011. It was Marshawn Lynch. So probably not that. But what's, what's very clear is that a running back needs 15 to 20, maybe 25 carries just to kind of get in the flow. And Chris Carson told us as much on, on the show that, yeah, you got to get into a rhythm. He hasn't been able to get into that. And now that he has, I think against maybe a little bit lesser linebacker core than last year, he might be able to bust a few and, you know, have something a little bit more than a 3.6 average that he had. Well, I think we've played three really good defenses. Denver, you know, they're fantastic, particularly coming after you in the rush. Chicago right now is fifth-ranked defense in the league. You go with Dallas, they're third-ranked in the league. So you just played, you know, three fantastic defenses along the way. But what I loved last week, what we did, is we just played smash mouth. We said, we're going to come up on first down, we're going to run it. We're going to come up in second down, we're, we're going to run it. And we're going to come up in third down with a manageable third down situation that we can convert on. And that's what we got last week. We were just more efficient in the in the passing game on second down and first down, and we converted on third down. We were 7 for 15, I think, last week. We, we've been horrible leading up to that. And it, if we don't get that one penalty, remember the first drive where we, we get the, the roughing the passer penalty? Well, once we got that, because it was an incomplete pass after that, we ended up getting six more runs because of that. You know, now you're wearing their defense down. You're eating up some clock along the way. We didn't score, but we created some field position. And that's really who the Seahawks are. We're, we're about running the football, creating field position, winning on defense. And I think we've created that environment. I'm hoping it carries over to Arizona. I think it will, because Arizona is not very – matter of fact, they're dead last offensively. They're 32nd. Yeah. And they're about to start a rookie quarterback in Josh Rosen. Yeah, in, in every category, offensive production, running – passing and and then with the rookie as you said so and you know we'll talk about the defense of course I, I try to give fair time to the offense Paul because you and I talk defense all day right both being defenders but I only talk about the offense when they get over 300 yards and they've only done that once this okay. this year so we're not teasing <laughs> all right that's the standard for Paul Moyer but hey coming up next uh, we're going to dive into a little bit of an opponent preview we'll talk to Darren Urban from cardinals.com that's right here on Hawks Live Hawks Live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Dave Wyman and Paul Moyer. And coming up next here, we got Darren Urban. I feel like I've talked to Darren probably 20 times in the last couple years kind of like ron wolfley we we see each other twice a year of course and darren urban works for cardinals.com darren how you doing tonight i'm doing good how are you well great and thanks so much for joining us my first question is about the linebackers and i'm i'm an old linebacker but what's going on with dayon buchanan and hassan riddick and i'm i'm seeing that you know they're getting a lot of time from josh bynes and gerald hodges this is it looks like this is Steve Wilkes' defense, even though Al Holcomb is the, the, uh, the defensive coordinator. Um, how come those two guys aren't playing? Tell us a little bit about what's going on defensively with this team. Well, 
right now, I mean, obviously it's it's a dramatic uh, kind of change defensively from where they had been under the, under Bruce Arians and James Betcher in previous years. And you're right, Steve Wilkes and Al Holcomb brought in their defense, and uh, obviously it mirrors a lot of what they were trying to do in Carolina the last few years. And uh, linebacker is obviously an important part of that. And in Carolina, they had Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis, and uh, obviously you don't have those type of guys in Arizona at this point. And they were hoping Hassan Reddick and, and Dale Buchanan could kind of fill those roles. And at this point, um, for whatever reason, it's it's taken a little longer for Reddick and, and Buchanan to uh, basically figure out exactly what they need to do in that defense. I know Al Holcomb was asked about Buchanan specifically today, and he, he basically said, look, you know, you have assignments. You have things you have to do in this defense. And at this point, uh, Dale Buchanan is still learning those assignments, and you've got to be able to have your gaps that you cover and, your, and you know, do your assignments. And right now I think it's a matter of trust. And right now they trust Gerald Hodges and Josh Bynes more than those other guys. And the hope is that Buchanan and Reddick can get it and, and get themselves on the field at some point, but that's not right now. Hey, Darren, I was on one of the, your local radio shows earlier today and they asked, is this a rebuilding year for the Seahawks? And I went through some of those and what are the expectations for Arizona? Uh, you know, obviously starting Josh Rosen and into the fourth game here, you know, changes a lot of things, but you know, what, what are the expectations? Well, the expectations coming into the year, I think, were to compete and to see where that might go. And, you know, hey, you don't you – know, obviously the Rams are, are a really good team, but the rest of the division, there were questions about the 49ers. There were questions about the Seahawks as well as the Cardinals. And I think the hope was that if everything goes right and if David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald play well and this defense comes together, you could compete and, you know, possibly make a, a – a, at least be in the race when December comes. And – and obviously, 0-3 changes that, and uh, starting a rookie quarterback probably changes that. They have they played pretty poorly those first two games. They played a little bit better last week, especially on defense. Um, but they're finding themselves offensively. It has not been good, hence the quarterback change. And now you're hoping that a rookie quarterback can kind of spark things and, and put things in the right direction. But expectations now are, are clearly lower. Um, now I think it's it's about uh, right now seeing what Josh Rosen can do and having him grow as a rookie and and on a on a lesser level I think offensively uh, they need to find a way to you kind of get Larry Fitzgerald more involved and definitely David Johnson more involved which uh, has not been the case the last couple of weeks David Johnson uh, has had less than 20 touches I think all three games so you need to get him more involved and performing better and and so. I think at this point it's a lot more game to game, uh, and until we really see what Josh Rosen can do on the field, which we really don't know how that's going to go yet, it's it's kind of hard to get a handle on what kind of results you can really be expecting. We're talking to Darren Urban from Cardinals.com, and Darren, let me ask you about Josh Rosen uh, maturity level, off the field stuff, leadership. What are you seeing from him? And I know I try not to expect too much from rookies, certainly, but uh, what are you seeing as far as for the future out of this kid? Well, I will say, you know, a lot of people were thinking he was the most pro-ready of those rookie quarterbacks, and, and we'll see exactly how that transpires. But I, I will say I understand part of that thought process because 
He is incredibly smart. That helps him a lot. Uh, he is incredibly confident. He does have a leadership factor that I think all quarterbacks are going to have, especially guys that you're taking high in the first round. But you, you can tell that he's comfortable in that role. And one of the things that's going to help Josh Rosen and help this team, quite frankly, going forward is the fact that in the summer, you know, Sam Bradford did not take a whole lot of reps because they were trying to kind of manage that knee that's had so many problems and they wanted to make sure that they didn't do anything to mess it up before they got to training camp. So Josh Rosen got a lot of first team reps, especially in the off season and OTAs. So he's had a lot of interaction in that huddle with the starting offensive line and with, you know, the starting wide receivers. And and I think at this point that's going to help them going forward. Uh, You know, the offensive linemen who are all, veterans say for the rookie center uh they like josh and I, I think they respond to him uh there's been a i, I, don't, I don't know if i'd say an excitement but there, there's definitely kind of a, a renewed enthusiasm a little bit this week with rosen playing and i think part of that is they have a chance more or less to have a fresh start here obviously the first three games haven't gone well the fact that you're getting this rookie with a lot of confidence coming in and feeling like he can do some things, I think they'll be more aggressive down the field than they have been with Bradford. I think all those things play into you know, how they feel about Josh Rosen and, and kind of where they are with him right now. You know, kind of a, a three-part question here is, one, philosophy. You know, what do they want to do? You, you've got David Johnson who – you know, my goodness, before he got injured, he, he was, uh, you know, one of the top, if not the top running backs, dual running backs and, and catching the ball out of the backfield. So what do you what do you see going into this game? Do they feature David Johnson again or do they say, OK, let's see what Josh Rosen does and let's let's air this thing out? Well, I mean, I think there's going to be a couple of things. I, I, I don't think there's any coaching staff, especially you know, a veteran offensive coordinator like Mike McCoy, I, I don't think anybody's going to be sitting back going, hey, we got a rookie quarterback uh, going and playing the Seahawks defense in his first start ever. Let's throw it 50 times. I, I'm pretty sure that's not going to be what they're going to do. Now, are, are they going to be willing to throw the ball a little bit? Yes, and I and I do think having watched both uh, the offseason work and training camp and the preseason games, I do think Josh Rosen is more of a risk taker than – you know, Sam Bradford is, uh, and we have seen the kind of quarterback Sam Bradford's been in his career, and I do think Josh Rosen's going to be willing to throw it down the field a little bit more. Now, is he going to do it a lot? Is he going to have those opportunities? We're going to kind of find out. Uh, on the other level, with David Johnson, I know last week they talked about getting David the ball more in space to use him more as a receiver. It didn't quite materialize the way they had wanted, and we'll kind of have to see how that plays out. Um, you know, he's another guy who uh, admitted to making a couple of mental mistakes late in that game last week, and I don't know if that's impacted their trust level of him in terms of, of what they want to do with him. But, again, I think it's important that he gets involved. And as, as, as important as the quarterback is and important as it is what Josh Rosen does this week, and I still think the Cardinals' offense is going to hinge on what you can get out of David Johnson and, and how much he's able to produce. I got to ask you about uh, one of our local favorites. Uh, I actually had a chance to coach him in high school at Bellevue High School, and then a UW alum and, and superstar, Buddha Baker. Um, how's he? How's he doing in his second year down there? Uh, Buddha's doing great. He's coming off his best game of the year. He was excellent against the Bears last week. Um, you know, they they use 
essentially a, a three-safety defense here. I mean, they have all been almost exclusively nickel uh, in all three games so far. So Buddha is kind of their slot guy, third safety, linebacker type, even at his size, with uh, Trey Boston and Antoine, uh, Antoine Buffet as the other two safeties. And um, he's been great. I mean, they, they knew as soon as they got him last year that he was the kind of guy that they were hoping he was going to be. He didn't play a ton of defense early last year, but once he came in and started playing, you could see how dynamic he was, and this coaching staff loves him. You can, he just, he's, even at a smaller size, he's incredibly physical. He's very instinctive. Um, in a lot of ways, he's what they had when Tyron Matthew was at the top of his game. Obviously, Tyron isn't here anymore, but he's the kind of guy that can do a lot of those things, and I, I think uh, he's got stardom coming to him one of these days. Darren, thanks so much for the preview. We really appreciate your time, and uh, we'll see you down there in the Valley of the Sun. Good to talk to you again. I'll talk to you later. There goes Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. Coming up next, Paul and I will go inside the film room. We'll take a look at three of the bigger plays from the game. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live, Dave Wyman and Paul Moyer, and each week we get a chance to go inside the film room with Paul Moyer, who both played and coached and now a broadcaster for the Seahawks for a long time. How long have you been with this organization, Paul? Uh, All together. 35 years? You can't even count. 30, I, can't even I count. count. I just gave it to you. 35 years. 35 years. years. <laughs> yeah, you just gave away your age as well. Well, I started when I was 14. <laughs> All right. Good. First play, Tyler Lockett. Uh, and Tyler Lockett, in, in Doug Baldwin's absence, has, has been really good and I think developed. And a lot of people were talking about, you know, why did you pay him that much money? Well, we're starting to see that already. Russell from the shotgun, Davis in the backfield, slot far side, four-man rush, Russell steps up in the pocket, throws down the sideline, Lockett, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Seahawks, Russell Wilson on a strike to Tyler Lockett down the right sidelines, and Tyler tiptoes in, untouched, the Seahawks stretch their lead, a 52-yard touchdown strike. Three touchdowns for Tyler Lockett in three games. And the, the one thing I thought, what, the, the most important touchdown I think that he's caught was the one last week against Chicago where he and Russell were the only two guys that kind of knew that it was a pass. It was a little bit of a chemistry thing, a communication there between those two. But what did you see uh, defensively from Dallas on this one, Paul? I know you thought that uh, there was some bad coaching going on because it looks like they're in cover two and – Usually the corners are supposed to funnel the outside receivers inside to make it easier for the safeties, right? Yeah, there's so many things wrong with this defensively for the Cowboys. And, you know, not to beat up Chris Richard, who was here as our, our secondary coach, but um, first of all, both, our, our wide re- both of our wide receivers were sitting just outside the numbers, which, you know, again, if you're in cover two, that's perfect because if you don't let them outside, I can see the receivers – as a safety when I'm backpedaling 
in this particular case, Tyler Lockett is to the offensive right, defense is left, and he gets an outside release. The corner just lets him go outside, which that in itself was weird. Up top, the exact same thing happens. They, he lets the guy go outside. And they weren't shaded. The corners weren't shaded outside on the receivers. They were head up to even, I think, inside. But at the very least, they were head up on the, on the wide receivers. Both wide receivers get an outside release. What, what really happened on this play where I thought think sold it was Russell Wilson was looking down the middle and to his left, and the safety did not get wide enough. And he came back, Russell Wilson did, and threw just a strike down the sideline to Tyler Lockett. Now, if I'm coaching this, the reason why I think this is so poorly coached, one is I probably would have got fired as a secondary coach. I kid you not. If, if both of my corners let the wide receivers outside in a Tampa 2, I would get fired. If I didn't jam the slot receiver, I would have gotten fired. If I didn't teach my safety that when the number two, the tight end, Will Disley, blocks, he's the number two receiver. We count outside in. Number one is Tyler Lockett. Number two, in this case, is the tight end, uh, Will Disley. He blocks. He backpedals and picks up the, the so defensive that, that end. So that means you've got no other I got to look nobody. At but one guy. Go outside the numbers yeah. and pick up the wide receiver. You've got to see that release at this point. The other thing is the guy's sitting at eight yards. He's backpedaling at eight yards in a cover two. You've got to be kidding me. This is truly the worst defensive thing I've ever seen in the NFL. He could have picked the guy down the middle, the guy up top left, and the best throw he made, though, was to Tyler Lockett because it, it was the toughest throw. He had to thread that in between the corner and the safety. Great throw, great catch. Great run after, and that was a big play right before the half. Yeah, and bad defense and everything, but I think Tyler Lockett, because of his speed, he gets underestimated a little bit. So really nice job by him. No question. And, so, and oh, get one more thing on this. Fluker's in the game. They run a stunt. Fluker takes the stunt tackle, hard, shoves him hard inside, waits for the stunt guy to come around. The pocket for Russell Wilson on that to step up and throw was huge. So there's so many good things that we did offensively on this. And not to, again, I, for, it doesn't matter what Dallas did. We did so many good things on this protection, our routes, the way we ran them. It was just a great play for a 52 yard touchdown. Up next, Fluker also involved in this. Chris Carson scores a first rushing touchdown since week four of 2017. Second and goal at the Dallas five. Second down and goal from the five. Russell takes a high snap. Hands it off. Chris Carson pounds his way in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Carson from five yards out. And unless you built a wall right in front of him, and even that probably wasn't going to stop him, he pounds it in, and the Seahawks needed that one as they stretch their lead to 23-6. to Great job by the offensive line, and, and we'll talk about D.J. Fluker. Nick Vanette had a good block on this one, but... I, I thought you know, with Chris Carson, really good timing with him as far as setting up linebackers. And that's the importance of, you know, rushing at 20, 25, and in this case, 30 over 30 times a game for Chris Carson because he's able to kind of go through a progression. It's kind of like being a pass rusher. You bowl rush him, then you speed rush him. And for a, a running back, you kind of set up the defense a little bit. But uh, Fluker really showing why. And here's the thing I love about DJ Fluker also is they say he's a big, fun-loving guy, Paul. He <laughs> loves playing football. Yeah, he he just he loves everything about it, and he had a good block on this as well. 
Well, there's so many good things that happened here. I mean, even uh, Hunt and Sweezy, the way they pushed their tackles and double team that got through to their linebackers on the left side was good. But Fluker lets the tackle go where he wants to go. The tackle wants to come inside towards our center. Fluker lets him. Normally, that's not a big deal, but he's so strong and big that he shoves the tackle to his left, which accentuates the hole. Now, all of a sudden, we got a big hole, and you've got a Fetty, you know, sealing off. It, it, I think Vanette actually made probably the best block because he sealed the defensive end from coming inside. Now, it was a read. It looked like a read option. So, uh, in this particular case, uh, Russell Wilson pretended like he pulled the ball out and faked like he was going around to the outside to the right. Which that, is important, by the way. Very Let me important. Inter- interrupt you really yes. quick because that's something that Schottenheimer talked about that Russell needs to be more deliberate with. So, when you hand the ball off on the read option, you have to carry out the fake every single time, and later on that will help with play-action pass. Well, that play pulled their middle linebacker, or actually their linebacker, back towards Russell Wilson. If Russell doesn't do that fake, he makes the tackle because he would have came back into the A-gap. But th- this whole thing was played great, great play-action, or great fake by Russell Wilson, great seal by Vanette, fantastic job by Fluker. Everybody did a fantastic job on this, and we finally got a touchdown from a running back. Yeah, beautiful thing since 2017 going all the way back to, what was it, uh, the last time since it was week four, 2017. Well, it was McKissick, wasn't it? It was J.D. McKissick. Yeah. He was the only other person other than Russell that was responsible for a touchdown last year. Bradley McDougal, I cannot talk enough about him, Paul. He seals the game with a forced fumble on Ezekiel Elliott. First and ten, Elliott goes left side. He breaks a tackle. He's got some running room down the far sideline. Stops and cuts back. Fumbles a football on the far side. The Seahawks say they have it. And they do. Zeke Elliott with a heck of a run. Tried to cut back. I didn't see who punched the ball out. It might have been Coleman. No, coming from behind. Knocking it out, of course. Bradley McDougal still waiting to unpile on the far side. And now the official says the Seahawks have it. Yeah, I said of course there because we call Bradley McDougal's name like at least once every other plays. Had such a good year this year, and he does everything. And really, this is a kind of set up by Frank Clark had a missed tackle. He did. Came down wrapped up. And Frank, by the way, just like Tyler Lockett, has had a touchdown in each of his first three games. Frank has had a sack, and he works really hard in the running game. But, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's hard. He's hard to tackle. But, you know, you, you see where somebody got kind of beat a little bit. It sort of stumbles Bradley McDougal a little bit, but he recovers and comes back, and I love the way they punch it out. It's not like you're just trying to hack at it. It's like they're actually trying to punch the ball like you would punch somebody in boxing, and uh, one of the great, very many plays that Bradley McDougal has made, and he's doing all the little things, Paul, but also he's making big plays. Yeah, he's um, he's just a playmaker. I mean, look, we got seven interceptions already this year. We had 11 all of last year. And, and Bradley McDougal, and, along with Earl, our defense is a little different than it been in, in past. We used to play a lot of single free, three deep zone. Now we're pl- playing a lot of safety, coming up on the slots and, and playing some man. But I think the thing I want to say about this play is, you're right. Uh, Frank Clark, he could have made that play for, for no gain and if he had it wrapped up. But the way we keep hustling and changing or going on the angles, 
is what makes plays. And Bradley McDougal, you teach this, the Seahawks teach it. Once you come up from behind a running back or a wide receiver, you're looking to see if the ball gets separated a little bit from the from them, and you swipe at it and cause a fumble. That's exactly what we got in another big play by Bradley McDougal. Uh, he's just done a great job this year. Well, coming up next, John Clayton is going to join us, and the professor will tell us what's going on around the NFL. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. And I want to thank Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar for the delicious dinner before the show. We had awesome chicken. Be sure to join us every Thursday so you can enjoy the food down here too. And right now we're joined by the professor John Clayton. John, how you doing? Dave, I just have uh, three words to say. Defense wins championships. Yes. G- defense, defense wins, wins championships. That, yeah, you're talking uh, th- to what, the it right 38 people here. to 28. I mean, come on. Where, where's the defense in this yeah. league? <laughs> it is crazy. I mean, because the Rams to me are, they're probably the cream of the crop yeah. in the NFL, but you know, to give up 28 already to Minnesota, who's been struggling, you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a chink in the armor on the Rams, too. Yeah, I think the well, chink's more in the Vikings' go- defense. Because, again, it's like, uh, yeah. you know, this is seven pro bowlers. That, you know, they add Sheldon Richardson. Yeah, I know Everson Griffin's not there because of his mental problems and that. But it's like, you're giving up 38 points. I mean, there was more than 500 yards passing by the two quarterbacks in the first half. I mean, could you imagine, I mean, could Case Keenum keep up with what Kurt uh, Cousins is doing right now? I would think not. But, I mean, Jared Goff looks like an absolute superstar going against a Vikings defense that was supposed to be one of the best in football. Well, let me ask you this, John. You know how all of the contracts, this is your ex- area of expertise, how this whole thing is laid out. You know, they're paying in Dominican Sue. They've just signed Donald. They've, you know, they've spent some money on Brandon Cooks. And so is this like a short-term, do you think, uh, deal that the Rams, like they're trying to win now? Or do you think this is like sustainable down the road no, it's with not some of the younger guys like I mean, Goff? No, it's, it's not sustainable because I think what you're looking at is that they're doing, you know, the, the fact that what, you know, you saw five, six years, seven years on the Seahawks. I think what you're looking at is like three to four year window with this team because, you know, the fact that they, you know, they're doing the right thing in the sense you have Jared Goff on a rookie contract making a little bit over seven million a year. And so it's like, okay, load up. So they load up with two Pro Bowl cornerbacks. You know, they give Indomitian uh, Sue his uh, $14 million. But I mean, you can see where the carnage is going to be. You know, they're not going to be able to keep their safety, LaMarcus Joyner, because he's on a one-year deal at 11 on a franchise tag. Probably you're not going to be able to keep Sue. Probably not going to be able to keep Aqib Tlaib, who's on injured reserve. So, I mean, there's at least three or four, maybe five guys will come off their defense next year. And so, no, this, it's, I mean, their window is still three years, I think. But again, and, and continuing this year, but it's not going to be the five or six that you saw for Seattle. I know one thing, their fantasy group just alone. I, I'm looking at Woods, Gurley, Cup, and Goff. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Well, for what, those what who play Brandon fantasy Cooks? football, well, yeah, I didn't even throw him in there. I mean, I could have had just those four players and, and would have won against everybody this week. It, it is remarkable what they're doing. And, and I guess I'll ask you this one more time. Do you think it's more Minnesota just 
laying an egg this year? I mean, this I, I, I that was one of the way, best yeah. defenses in the league. Yeah, I, I, I kind of lean. There's something's wrong with the Minnesota defense because when you look back and you think, okay, they're loaded up. They've got the cornerbacks that are really talented. They've got great linebackers. I mean, they're paying like about five guys over $10 million a year, and you're 38 points at the beginning of the third quarter. Something's wrong. I mean, you gave up 27 points to Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, a rookie quarterback last last week. Then you come back and you give up 29 with a total cave-in in the second half against an injured Aaron Rodgers. And then you even go back to last year's playoff game against New Orleans. I mean, this great defense, which is supposed to be great, is not great. Well, John, let's talk. Uh, bring it back to the Seahawks. Their opponent coming up here, Arizona. You and I talked to this uh, about this earlier today on our show. It, I think Arizona might be the worst team in the NFL, certainly offensively. Yeah. 32nd overall, and then also in the run and in the pass, they're, uh, they don't really do anything good offensively, and then they're starting a rookie quarterback this weekend. Yeah, and I mean, you would anticipate they were going to have problems with the passing game because all they had was Larry Fitzgerald is playing with a hamstring injury, and they're trying to figure out who's two, three, and four, and they just basically don't know. Then you've got uh, you know, Jermaine Gresham coming off an Achilles injury. He missed the first two games. So at tight end, they're question marks. Offensive line is a question mark. And then you give Sam Bradford three starts, and all he's doing is throwing short stuff. I mean, there's no offense there. I think the bigger disappointment is the running game and the defense. Because, I mean, you got David Johnson right now making $13 million a year, and he's averaging just a little bit over three yards a carry. That's a disappointment, probably more on the offensive line than it is David Johnson. Then on defense, I mean, what's happened in the first three games, they've just been physically overpowered. And I never thought that would happen with an Arizona Cardinal defense because, you know, they're big up front on the defensive line. They got talent with Chandler Jones. Yeah, I know that they got issues right now at the linebacker position and certainly that second cornerback, but I think that's the bigger disappointment disappointment in the whole thing it's like okay you know they paid 20 million for sam bradford didn't get anything out of him and then defensively they've been a major major disappointment it is remarkable i'm looking at their offense and they they rank dead last in seven categories offensively um which you know it's hard to do um but the seahawks you know last week they put sweezy at left guard you got fluker at right guard and then you put in hunt at center what do, you, what do you see is going to be the starting offensive line going into this week? Well, because Ethan Poza can't play right now because of an ankle injury. He didn't practice today, so I think it's pretty evident they're going to stay with J.R. Sweezy. But I think if Posick was healthy, they probably would have stayed with Sweezy. You know they're going to go back to Justin Britt. He's had full practices now. He returns at center. And then you know Joey Hunt has a hip injury. But, uh, again, even if he was healthy, it's still going to be uh, Justin Britt. And then you've got uh, certainly the right guard. They're real happy with D.J. Fluker because he's so physical at 340. 43 pounds. So it looks like you, know, you got the two guards from last week and then the return of Justin Britt. And I think that they feel pretty good about that. Hey, John, let me ask you about CJ Procise. This is a tough one because some of the things that, that Pete said about him, he said we had a hard time getting him convinced that he was ready to go. And so some of the, the words there, I'm just trying to kind of parse Pete a little bit, but what do you read from Pete and the things that he said about CJ Procise? I get the feeling, and again, I don't know this for a fact, but it's almost like 
uh, an Earl Thomas situation in a different way because obviously there's no contract issue or anything else. I mean, C.J. Procise can't even negotiate a contract because in the third year of a four-year deal. But it's like if C.J. Procise doesn't feel that he's 100%, then he doesn't he just doesn't play. And so you kind of get the idea that, again, it's not like Earl Thomas where he's basically – and again, Earl, by the way, practiced today and did a full practice. So it's like, okay, that's encouraging. But I think in C.J. Procise, he's one of those athletes where if he's not 100% – remember, Percy Harvin was like that too. If he wasn't 100%, he preferred not to practice and so or even play. And so you kind of get the feeling that if like it's 100%, but if it's going to be 90% for C.J. Procise, you're probably not going to have him on the field. And that's got to be concerning, and it certainly has to be frustrating because he's really talented. Paul, when's the last time you felt 100%, like the fifth grade, maybe? I mean, you're never 100% no, when you're in the NFL, no, right? No, and I'm like 40% right now. <laughs> hey, oh, you're hey, better. John, oh, you come on, something. Paul, you're better than that. You're at least 43. Yeah, right, we got to rally Paul. 42. Yeah, John, you said, hurt. you said something that was interesting, and, and I kind of thought I heard this from Pete Carroll as well. You think if Posick was healthy this week, they still start Sweezy? Yes, I do. I really do, because I think that they like what he did. I mean, because of his feistiness and what he did with the run game. And even though he's not as big as Posick, because they like big, bigger's better, I think, in a uh, Mike Solari-type offensive line. I just think that they like the attitude that he brought and the way that he was able to fight. And so I honestly do think that if Procise was healthy for this game, they'd stay with Sweezy. Well, John, coming up, uh, you know, this Sunday... What do you think? I, this looks pretty good for the Seahawks getting to 2-2, two and two, and uh, it looks like they, they, they really should get this one. Is that what you're expecting? Yeah, I would think so because, again, when you start a rookie quarterback, what, you, what do you really expect? particularly a first start. I mean, you expect 15 to 17 points, you know, 55% completions at the best, and maybe, you know, one touchdown and two interceptions. And if that's going to be the case, I mean, if they can't generate more than 15 to 17 points, one, that's perfect for this team because, again, that takes their points allowed under 20 points a game. And I think that uh, when you look at what Russell Wilson is able to do, particularly if he's able to get a running game, that's 24 points. And so, no, I would have to think that uh, everything stands that, again, it's a division game that could make it tougher because division games tend to be a little bit closer but I, I think this is you know more than likely one of those 20 24 to 17 or 24 to 15 to 16 type games john thanks so much and uh, i'll see you down in peoria We're looking forward to it weekend. and of course i'll talk to you tomorrow all right, all right there thanks, goes john. the professor john clayton coming up next nico thorpe we're going to chat with the best gunner, the headhunter in the NFL, and a really good corner and special teams captain. Nico Thorpe's live right here on Hawks Live. <laughs> 